Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers and grinders and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Up first, we want to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. We would also like to thank Axion VPN, our solution for keeping our traffic on the internet protected and private. To learn more about the services they provide, please go to www.axionvpn.com. If you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at www.dangerousminds.io and email us at info at dangerousminds.io, and we will be glad to talk to you about it. This time on the Dangerous Minds podcast, we pick up our conversation with Alex Smith of CyberEyes.me, focusing more on his information security work and experience. Enjoy. Also, uh, you know, going back to network security, it makes me curious. Uh, you know what what your feeling is on uh, like car hacking. We've seen uh, big companies uh, try and cease and desist car hackers and try and almost prosecute them as well. Yet that only helped them gain more traction in, in the community and get more focus from you know, media, their board, you know, creating like a car hacking village and at DEF CON, what have you. Just makes me curious if there's any, anything like that uh, you've seen in, in Australia as well. Anybody working on that? I mean, there's definitely been cases of like companies trying to crack down on individuals here for their security research. I haven't seen it to the point where it's sort of done the opposite so much. I mean, it's certainly create a lot of bad publicity within the community, within the security community against a particular company. Like, you know, why would you want to work with them? Because they tried to silence the researcher type thing. But it, I don't know, people down here have kind of, oh, it'll be fine type thing. I'll just, you know, I'll ignore the cease and desist letter and publish my research anyway. And because it's not culture of lawsuits here, there's not as much recourse that they can use against the individuals. One thing I do see in the news, uh, uh, used to see it fairly often, was that there was a lot of focused attacks from China on your government's infrastructure. Wondered if that led to any uh, like bug bounty programs or any type of movement towards hardening uh, your infrastructure. And since you're a part of that community in the in the country that's being impacted, have you seen anything like that? Have you been involved in any projects like that? What's the bug bounty atmosphere like in, in Australia? Uh, yeah, so definitely bug bounties are a thing. To be honest, like the full-time, you know, InfoSec pen testers and stuff, they are sort of a little bit encouraged not to participate because a lot of the employees see that as competition for the traditional pen testing model. So there's a little bit of sort of not, I don't want to say animosity, but there's some conflict of interest maybe there between the bug bounties and the traditional employees and traditional pen testers. Um, but definitely like we have some of the, you know, down in Australia, like NAFI and stuff, we have some of the best bug bounty people in the world. They've, they've earned hundreds of thousands of dollars just from bug bounties. So it's definitely something that, you know, happens here. 
Obviously, it helps individual companies, but the InfoSec landscape as a whole, I'm not sure if it's that effective. Like just a few days ago, one of our defense subcontractors got owned. They don't even know by who. I mean, it could be China, it could be Russia, it could be anyone, uh, and had a bunch of private um, documents on new aircraft stolen. And so I'm not sure that it's you know really changing anything. I mean, people are trying, but people are still getting hacked. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, what, you know, we, we mentioned DEF CON earlier. Is there a decent community for cybersecurity, for InfoSec in Australia? Are there a lot of cons, uh, groups uh, to be involved in? What, what's the atmosphere like down there? This is actually really quite a good community. Uh, there's lots of small conferences, sort of regional ones for a particular city or state in Australia. Uh, but to be honest, the big sort of down under conference is one in New Zealand called KiwiCon. Um, I mean, it's small compared to DEFCON. Like last year, there were 2,000 people there. But mm-hmm. considering the number of people in Australasia, it's a pretty big conference. So, uh, yeah, like the community is really good. You know, you go to, sometimes I have like monthly meetups where they go and have a cool talk and people go and drink afterwards and stuff. And it's really, you know, it's a really good community, definitely. Right. And uh, kind of like we talked about earlier, mentioning, uh, you know, what does um, biohacking mean to you? Um, let's go ahead and uh, cover hacking in your own words. What is hacking? What is cracking? And what is furthermore cybersecurity mean to you? And how does it relate to your own career, your own um, life, as it were? So, I mean, hacking is its like using a system in a way it was not designed to be. Finding like the weird machine, the way that it can be, you know, the path through the software, through the system that the design is never intended, but is exists anyway. It's about finding that that exploit, that you know, way through the maze, finding out the way to gain privilege or control that was never intended. But it's, I mean, for me, I I find it fun. Like hacking is is fun. Like I mean, obviously, I do it like you know, white hat. You know, get paid to pen test companies, and at the end of the day, you write a report and send it off to them, and then they fix the problem. So you're not really like a movie hacking where you steal a bunch of money from a bank or something, but the same sort of skill set applies. And it's, to be honest, it's a lot of fun. Like I, you know, before I even worked in the industry, I would, you know, spend free time, you know, cracking my own like systems, like stuff that I own devices, cheap devices that I brought uh, online just to, because it's fun. So yeah, it's a challenge, but it's a really fun challenge as well. You asked about like, other definitions like cracking and stuff. I mean, there are media definitions that are used you see on TV and things, but then there's also more technical difference where you're like, I'm going to crack these keys. I'm, you know, and then you get into more, even more technical. So like, I'm going to use a dictionary attack or I'm going to use a hybrid brute force dictionary attack or crypto analysis to do it. InfoSec is the more professional, I suppose, label that covers this general industry where you need to put on a suit and tie and go to a meeting. And so you say, oh, I work in InfoSec. And then, I mean, you don't have to say the word hacking and scare all the executives. Mm-hmm. A lot of people take that term just completely negative, even more so cracking. So you, know, you mentioned that you know, you're working it as your day job, but what, what do you do? Do you do uh, RE, malware research, uh, pen testing? You mentioned White Hat, but do you do like a research or just uh, analysis? Yeah, my day job is pen testing. So, you know, we get companies that come in and they ask us to 
you know, assess the security of a particular product of theirs or the, you know, part of the infrastructure. And we go in and, you know, spend a bunch of time analyzing it, running tools to look, check for vulnerabilities, you know, making sure all their software is up to date and they're not using bad passwords and that mm -hmm. their, you know, permissions are set correctly and ACLs and everything. And so that's, and then we go back to our office and we write a 50 page report and say, you need to update the software and, you know, you need to segment your network better and, you know, upgrade the, you know, whatever software and stuff. And then they go and fix it and we'll, you know, verify that. I do do research. I mean, it's not my primary focus. It's more of a, you know, just something so I can go and speak at a conference and that sort of thing. It's not really, I don't get paid to do that as much. Mm -hmm. So you're mostly a network side uh, red teamer. Have you never have you ever done uh, physical penetration, uh, social engineering, uh, as a part of uh, an analysis? I don't really do social engineering. I'm not the kind of donor of the people skills for that. But definitely, like particularly with the RFID, NFC type things, like I have definitely, you know, broken into a number of buildings as part of my day job, like testing. Like, can I, you know, I have literally walked into a bank before that I wasn't authorized to because I, you know, copied their card type thing. So yeah, it's definitely something I've used. All right. Part of that, did you just use a, a blank card or did you dupe it to one of your implants for the fun of it? Uh, I've done both before. Obviously, they don't want the information leaving their site. So I wiped <laughs> my implant before I left. And then when I got home, I couldn't open my apartment door anymore because I didn't have the right info on my implant. Uh, that's, that's kind of a funny outcome on that, indeed. And just makes me curious, uh, it, you, know, you talked about uh, doing a little bit of cracking on the side. How, what what did you use for that? Did you attempt to use like a, a GPU server or just a, a more simple CPU-based rig for the cracking? Our company has a GPU system with like six uh, cards and stuff that we use for like serious, mm -hmm. like actual hash cracking and stuff for hash mm -hmm. cracking, that sort of thing. Um, to be honest, the research I do is more focused on like reverse engineering and stuff so it's not the direct brute forcing type cracking it's the trying to decompile stuff and figure out how it actually works so that i can check for vulnerabilities in that software uh and that apparatus is that something you got from like a sagita or is it something that you all built yourself this is a home built sort of sour. i mean we brought parts for it off ebay and stuff but it's you know we you know definitely put it together and all by ourselves yeah Okay, it made me curious if you were using, uh, you know, stuff like uh, like the Brutalis from uh, Sagita, or if it was just a just a John the Ripper or Hashcat server. You know, more cu curious yeah, about that myself. Yeah, we mainly use Hashcat. Yeah, we mainly use Hashcat, but I mean, our, not of, most of our infrastructure is like open source stuff, and mm -hmm. a lot of build it yourself type thing. Okay, so. You had mentioned uh, buying stuff online and creating your own lab at home just to learn before you got started. Is that what you would uh, say to somebody that's like, I, I've always been interested in it since watching a movie or watching a TV show and just got hooked on the idea? Is that what you would say to somebody that wants to get involved, that uh, wants to figure out how to learn, how to get into the, uh, into the industry? So the very first steps, I don't think anyone needs to spend any money. Like, I mean, you can, you can definitely buy a bunch of cool stuff, but like the very first steps, there's a bunch of like CTFs and like capture the flags and various sort of hack me type tutorials and stuff. 
So I would start there because they start like the very first steps are very basic and, you know, even general tech knowledge was going to be enough to solve them. And then they progressively get harder and harder until like the hardest ones, like there's only a like, handful of people in the world who have solved them. And so I think that's a very good sort of skill progression and it doesn't cost you any money. There's a bunch of free ones you can find online or download. And so I think that's the first steps I would recommend. So you'd mention you would recommend something like uh, smash a stack or hack this page, right? As a way to form yeah, just that to kind get of, started. Definitely. There's a line called uh, microcode if people are more into hardware, which is really cool for learning about sort of memory corruption and that sort of like really low level things. And it's really starts off basic and gets more advanced. So yeah, but definitely that type of challenge. Would that also be good for like someone interested in uh, firmware research to to be able to decompile and look at the code and see if there's any vulnerabilities built in or an IoT uh, yeah. research, what have you? Yep. I mean, that's the that's where I would suggest uh, starting out. Uh, like, yeah, like this microcode, you can actually, yeah, you have the, you don't even need to, de you don't even decompile it so much. You just uh, have the raw, like, assembly right in front of you and you step through it in an emulator and you know, like figure out exactly what each operation does and where you can inject malicious data to exploit it. Mm -hmm. Since you're involved in biohacking and infosec, it just seems only natural to cover both areas, but it just makes me uh, that much more curious as far as incorporating even maker movement since we haven't really asked about maker spaces, hacker spaces in Australia. It just makes me curious if there is a big environment in Australia, if, if there are any maker spaces uh, you would recommend, I, I don't, are you, you're located in Melbourne, right? Mm, yeah. Is there a maker space or hacker space in Melbourne? You would then uh, say that anyone visiting should, uh, should check out while they're there. Yeah, there's a hacker space um, in Hawthorne uh, suburb in South Melbourne, and it's it's quite good. They have a bunch of tools, you know, 3D printers and laser cutters and all kinds of cool stuff. So if you're into that, go and hang out, go and check it out. Uh, I've actually found that InfoSec and makerspaces and hackerspaces, you'd think there'd be a huge overlap, but like I was like, hey, can you tell me about your access cards? I'm interested in you know checking and making them, and they're like, whoa, scary hacker. We don't want anything to do with that. And it's like. Ah, uh, shouldn't this be the same thing you can do school? So, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, other places are different, but I found that maybe makers like the actual maker movement is not as has not as doesn't have as much to do with security as you would think. True enough. Uh, there's a hacker space or maker space in Austin uh, called ATX Hackerspace, but on average, most people there are very much so into creating things. There's a couple that are interested in learning more about networking and network analysis there and have been open to letting me do my own uh, site surveys, what have you, and just analyzing the traffic that goes on there. It seems funny that at first glance, they were like, what would you be doing this for? And it's like my own learning and then explaining it further. And um, then they're a lot a lot better about it just saying so if there's anything payment what have you you would uh, discard right and it's like oh, yeah i would agree to that <laughs> it's not like i'm going to record your stuff and then go to ebay and go crazy it's like come on now this is about learning yeah. about stealing but yeah yeah i mean they don't uh, some people don't understand freak out. 
For sure. Some people don't really understand the purpose of hacking to learn. They think it's only used for malicious purposes. They don't understand that, you know, I, I want to hack this thing, not because I have any intention of doing anything bad with it, just because I want to understand how this new product, the system actually works, just for mm. my own gain, like my own knowledge, not to make money or anything off it. Yeah. And especially if you learn something while doing it, you could turn around and say, hey, um, by the way, I would do this, this, and this to make things better and safer for your own customers, for your own members there that are using the network because uh, they're doing this and it's really bad. You know, let's try and, you know, even down to just segmenting the network a little bit, try and make it a little bit more private so that if there are guys, you know, doing actual transactions for their own uh, small business there on the network, that they're a little bit more protected, even down to, are they at least using a VPN? Or are they doing all this uh, open on the network and anybody can do anything to them while they're at it? Yeah, for sure. Like before we mentioned companies trying to sue people and cease and desist and stuff like researchers. And like, that's totally the wrong uh, response from a company. They should be like, if a researcher is telling your company that there's a problem, they are not someone you need to be concerned about. Like they are voluntarily coming in, and, you know, voluntarily spending their time and now they're telling you about these problems. They're not the black hat who is going to, you know, steal your customer's information. They're not, you know, they're not going to use it for anything bad. You just need to listen and listen to them and say, oh, so there's a bug in my system. Okay, I'll patch it. Not like, you know, if they willing voluntarily came out and told you about it, they're not the people you need to be concerned about. Because mm -hmm. if we're letting you know, then it, we're probably wanting it to be fixed. It's not like uh, we're using it to do more damage and trying to get a profit. It's yeah. not like we're blackmailing you saying, hey, you got a bug. I'm going to use it to bork you over. No, it's called, we want you to fix it. Um, this is what I found. And it's not, I'm not sitting there with my hand open saying, hey, pay me or I release it at a con. I might release it at a con anyway, but I'm going to give you a chance to you know, try and fix it. If you don't have a bug bounty program, there's no way for me to ask for a reward anyway. Uh, it's way too easily just to get set up as a lawyer saying that you're trying to, you know, blackmail them, what have you. Otherwise, it just sucks that way. Yeah. More companies need bug bounty programs. Yeah. I mean, a black hat would never come forward and tell them about it anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, maybe someone's, some black hat has tried to blackmail a company, but that's very rare. Like, 99% of the time, they're just going to silently, stealthily in the background, exploit the bug and steal all your customers' personal details or something. They're not going to ever come forward and tell you about the problem because they want to keep using it. The longer you don't know about the bug, the longer they can keep exploiting it. Like a white hat's going to come forward and be like, for the good of the community, you know, you should probably fix this. And yeah, I'm going to go and tell everyone about it in a few months. So I'm going to give you, I'm giving you a heads up. You can have it pre-patched. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of companies don't get, which I, I find absolutely yeah. amusing in my own mind. It's like you, if you come out and say it, they immediately freak out and go after them. Like, you know, like the car hackers, uh, as the example, they were throwing out some really f scary vulnerabilities and, you know, Chrysler was like, fuck off. No, you can't release this stuff. It's like, um, it's people's lives, asshole. 
It's like they need to come out about it. It's uh, almost like a, like a horrible math equation of how many deaths will this possibly cause in the full amount of production compared to the cost of repairing this issue to how much they would have to pay out to lawsuits as attributed to the deaths. It's like, do we really want to do that kind of math or do we just want to improve the technology? Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, if a company tries to crack down on a researcher who you know, voluntarily came forward with some problems, next time someone else finds a bug in their system, they're not going to tell them. They're just going to publish it on the net because they're like, well, look what happened to that other guy. I'm not going to go through all of that. I'll just you know, anonymously post it on Facebook and now everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And all the scrapers will have it logged completely and start taking advantage of it right off the bat. Yeah. And Talking about company won't get a window to oh, – sorry, carry on. Uh, I was going to say you know, a big thing in the news right now, at least in the States, is this uh, right to hack back. Uh, it's in the in the books where they're they're discussing the legality of it and to where they're almost trying to push it to where if you've been hacked, you can hack back. And seeing that as a legal and true response. It just sounds like you know, a can of worms being opened up even even further to me, especially without the right properly trained individuals attempting this type of thing. It just would make to me that much more of a clusterfuck to you know just be honest about it. Uh, it makes me curious uh, your own opinion and if there's any type of uh, talk of talk of that on the other side of the world. You know, if y'all have any discussions about right to hack back, especially with, uh, you know, everything that's been involved with, uh, with your government trying to patch its holes, what have you. I mean, the right to hack back thing is just utterly stupid. Like, I don't care who you are, even if you are the NSA, it's still stupid because like in, like in my day job, I have found systems that have been hacked and then used as a, you know, a jump point to attack other companies. So if you get attacked and you're like, it's that IP address there and you hack back, you're probably like, you know, odds are you're attacking some innocent company who just got hacked themselves. And now you have this like one company, one innocent company hacking another innocent company. And it's just like the real hackers are somewhere totally else. And if you use like, you know, three jump boxes to get to where you are. And it's just, no matter who you are, even the best, intelligence agencies in the world is going to have immense difficulty tracking a, you know, a, a, an exploit back to its origin. Like the, you can get the last hop, if you're very lucky the last two hops, but to get the origin, there's just no guarantee that that's ever going to be possible. You have zero proof that, you know, that is the origin of the hack. And like, if you hack some other random innocent company, are you liable then? You probably should be. You just hack someone without any, you know, they did no, harm and committed no crime themselves. So it's just complete stupidity. I mean, people bring it up here from time to time and thankfully it usually gets shot down as people who actually have knowledge of it, you know, give their input. But I just, I mean, it, it, it would make the world better for black hats because then they have this sort of plausible deniability cover thing where they can just hide their traffic amongst all of the legit companies who are firing exploits back and forth. It's just utter stupidity. Mm-hmm. Definitely would increase the noise on the on the channel, that's for sure. And be like, okay, am I attacking a pivot or a proxy server or what at that point? Yeah. Or 
am I attacking a, a government that was used as a pivot point that much more? It's like, oh, oh boy. You know, say you're working on the you know, on the blue team at Amazon uh, up in Seattle, and you're hacking back, and it turns out it's like freaking foreign government servers. Um, that would lead to a pretty interesting international incident, I would think. Uh, it just sounds like a you know we don't have to worry about politicians causing the next world war. Just have poor guys trying to you know protect their networks causing China to lose their shit and you know, start something big. Never know. Yeah, I mean, I have literally seen government website servers be used as jump points to attack other systems. Like, this is happening already. If you allow people to hack back, then yeah, you're going to have the high school student and the, you know, the company, Google team, and, you know, the Russian government, like, and you're going to have no way of knowing who it is or who you're attacking, and it's just yeah, it's just like, I mean, let's say you succeed. Let's say you hacked, like, you hacked back, and you're like, yes, I took control of that system. And then you find it was like, you know, some travel agency. And you're like, okay, so now what do I do with it? I own this computer that's in some office somewhere. Am I going to retain control of it in case someone tries to use it as a jump point in the future? Or do I call up the company and then they're going to send me a lawyer, you know, trying to sue me for hacking a server? Or it's just, it's just there's no, no possible good outcome from this. Just sounds like a, a just a bad thing waiting to happen, in my opinion. Really, I, there's no way. Yeah, there's no good that will come of it. Uh, that's the easiest way, I guess, we can boil that conversation down to. Just uh, yeah, it, it just surprises me that that keeps coming up, and they're trying to pass it. It's just like, why? Why are you doing this? You're going to just make everyone's job harder. And make the criminals and that much easier. Uh, maybe they're interested in more intelligence uh, gathering from foreign governments, foreign companies. I don't know. Uh, I I don't even want to think about it. It's just more to me. It just seems just unbelievably bad idea. Even down to law passed last year, allowing the FBI to hack any box in the world without really uh, a proof or subpoena. Uh, at that point, it's just like they they need it. they can just say it's a part of their investigation. They can hack it. It's like okay, how does that make sense? Like you're you're yeah, I mean like you're not the you know CIA. You're supposed to function in the states. You're FBI. You're you're law enforcement. You're not world police. What the hell kind of thing? Yeah, like I can see the like the kind of motivation I can certainly see why they want to be able to do that because, you know, criminals don't care about jurisdiction. They're going to hack you from anywhere. So, you know, I can see their kind of point in saying, Oh, we need to be able to hack back anywhere. And, you know, I can see their desire, but yeah, I mean like, Hey, what about jurisdiction? Like, you know, just because this company's jump box was used in Australia, you know, why do, why don't you call up the Australian, you know, federal police? Why are you trying to hack them directly? Like, we should have cooperation not this kind of cloak and dagger on and, you know, shadow games and stuff happening where one government hacks another, you know, government stuff just to, because it was happened to be used in some criminal, you know, operation. It's just, it's just, yeah. Like you said, there's just no good outcome. There's no possible way this works in anyone's favor. Well, apart from maybe some of the intelligence agencies, but do we really want to give them even more power than they already have? 
I'm sure they do. <laughs> I definitely don't want them to. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, like me, a blank check with all the power in all the world. Thank you. No. With InfoSec, do you have a do you have a blog? You've talked about your your research that you you post anything up, some old talks that you've given in, in this type of area uh, versus biohacking. I or, do have some communication channels, but to be honest, I do you you know when I post research and stuff, I do it under a pseudonym, and I you know preferably not connected to my you know legit you know, above board stuff. I mean, not that I'm a bad guy or anything. It's all, you know, white hat stuff, but I'd still, you know, there's sort of, you know, I'd rather distance myself from some of that research. Okay. I just figured I'd uh, ask, uh, like we, you know, ask about uh, biohacking. Is there a place that they can go to learn more about the work and our projects you're working on? And I mean, have yeah. done? No offense. I'm just, you know, yeah. concerned about my own privacy as well. I got you. All right. Anything else you'd you'd like to add? This uh, definitely has turned into a good conversation today. Uh, no, I think that's yeah. Unless you have any other questions, I will get ready for the day. I guess. No, um, definitely. I want to thank you, Alex, for you know taking the time to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure, Alex Smith. He's a founder of Cyberize.me, and if you'd like to learn more about the work we're doing and uh, the people we're talking to, please go to dangerousminds.io for more information or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash dangerous minds podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out how you can join us on this journey, further diving into tech and the projects and the people behind it within this fast growing community of biohacking, grinding citizen science and plantable technology and network security. Please feel free to reach out to us. Any questions or comments, both positive and negative, uh, feel free to reach out and talk to us. If they are negative, feel free to be ready to be heckled back. We are on IRC at hashtag Dangerous Minds on Freenode. We're also on Facebook uh, and Twitter. Perhaps maybe one day uh, we'll talk to you about the work and our projects you're doing and exploring. Till next week, we're gonna stick it in your face, still it in your brain and interlace. There's an arms war on and we're gonna win the race. Leave everything in the race, bring the base. Ah.